Hey everybody, I am so glad you've chosen to lean in and connect this weekend. It's always good to take moments and time to connect in worship and prayer together, but this weekend is a little bit unique. It's special for a couple of reasons. One is that one of my dearest friends, Chris Conrad, who is the regional superintendent of our Great Lakes region, is leading us in our time of study today. And he has a relevant and timely message for all of us. Because we all know that we all face disappointment in life. And Chris is going to help us understand how those disappointing moments can be spiritually defining moments. Ones where God, who is the author of joy, works and moves in us and those around us when we let Him. Now, the other unique thing is that you're going to see a number of spaces and faces in our worship time. It's an opportunity to journey together, really recalling a bit of our past journey, but still gathering together in the name of Jesus, worshiping the one who was and is and is to come. As one church, as we gather from whatever location you're gathering from, So as we prepare to do that, I once again invite you to prepare your heart and mind. I'm grateful for Chris and his willingness to share with us. I'm grateful for you and your continued posture of leaning in before the throne of God together as a church family. And I'm looking forward to what God wants to do and say to us today. So let's step into that time even now. Lift our praises to Him today. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it arise. Let praise arise. Tu nombre canto ilumbras toda oscuridad.
is what living looks like. Let's sing it out. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. Solo en ti soy libre. Solo en ti hay vida. Con cielos en armonía. A ti
victory in the name of Jesus. And I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. And for the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm gonna see a victory. And I'm gonna see a victory. For the weapon may be formed. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh my God will never fail. No, he won't. Cause my God will never fail I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord
You're a good father. Let's sing this together. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good, or you take, yes you do, God. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good, or you take. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn.
justice roll on like a river Let worship turn into revival Lord, lead us back to you So come, move, let justice roll My name is Chris, and I'd love to ask you a question. And that is, can you remember the last time you had a fantastic time? A time when you were just having a lot of fun. Maybe you were hanging out with your family. Maybe you were hanging out with some friends playing Minecraft. Maybe you were having an event of some kind. Maybe you went to someone's wedding or you went to someone's graduation or something like that. Just a day that brought you a lot of joy. Maybe it wasn't an event for you. Maybe It was a celebration of some kind of something that you did. Maybe you got your driver's license. Maybe you graduated from school. Maybe you got married. Maybe you were celebrating the birth of your first child. There are a lot of different things. But do you remember back to an event in your life or a celebration that you had with some folks around you where you were just filled with joy and you had a lot of fun? And when you look back at that time, you just naturally smile and you say, that was a great day. I'm so glad I had that day. Now, I don't know if you consider this or not, but God is actually the author of joy. Some people think that there's a spectrum out there and that joy is on one side and that God is on the other side. But professor and author, a guy by the name of Dallas Willard wrote, God is the most joy-filled being in the universe. The truth of the matter is, God loves it when we experience joy. As a matter of fact, Psalm 16, verse 11 in the Old Testament of the Bible says, In God's presence is fullness of joy. He is the author of joy. He's not a joy killer. He is the originator of joy. God loves it when we experience joy. But here's the thing. As you and I both know, joy is not the only emotion that we feel. We also feel pain and loss, disappointment and sorrow. There's no such thing as going through life without experiencing pain. 
Now, I wish there was, but there's not. As a matter of fact, Jesus made this very important statement when he said, and a guy by the name of John wrote it down. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What I find fascinating is that Jesus doesn't say you might experience trouble. No, he says you will experience trouble. We're all going to have days. We're all going to have even seasons when we go through difficult times. The simple truth is we live in a messed up world and messed up things are going to happen to us. But here's what I think is mind boggling. What I think is mind boggling is that God can take even the messed up things that we go through, even the messed up experiences that we have, he can take even the most difficult of circumstances, the biggest of disappointments and the deepest of pain. And he can use those elements in our life to prove to us his faithfulness and the fact that he can walk us through those circumstances and come out on the other side of them. You know, a guy by the name of Paul in the New Testament of the Bible wrote these words. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his good purposes for them. Now, Paul doesn't write that everything is good, not at all. We'll all walk through some difficult seasons in our life. As a matter of fact, one of the disciples of Jesus, a guy by the name of Peter, wrote this. He said, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. No, we're going to go through difficult seasons in our life. But what I find fascinating about God, one of the most amazing things about God is he can take the most difficult seasons, the most difficult situations in our life, and he can actually use them to not only show us his faithfulness, but to show us his goodness. See, even when we go through difficult situations, even when we go through unexpected situations, we lose our jobs. We lose a good friendship that we weren't expecting to lose. We lose a loved one. I have a dear friend who in the last few weeks has lost his spouse. And that means that he's now a, a dad of four beautiful daughters who don't have a mom and he doesn't have a wife. You know, we will walk through very difficult seasons in our lives. There's no doubt about it. But here's what's interesting. Even when we're right smack in the middle of a difficult season, even when we're right smack in the middle of a difficult situation, if we'll let him, if we'll let him, God can actually prove to us that he's faithful, that he loves us, and that he is enough to see us through even the most tragic of situations. Let me give you a biblical example if I can. This comes out of the New Testament of the Bible in a guy by the name of Luke who wrote this down in Luke chapter 24. Now, just to give you a small sense of, of the context, Jesus has just been killed. And a couple of his followers, a couple of his disciples, are walking from the city of Jerusalem down to a, a town called Emmaus. So let me pick it up there in verse 13. So two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. 
And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from being able to recognize him. So he asked them, Jesus asked these two guys, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. Well, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel, and this all happened three days ago. Now, there's a key phrase in that last verse, verse 21, that I want us to capture together. We had hoped. Again, let me set the context for just a moment about these guys. These two guys would have had jobs prior to following Jesus. They would have been young adults who were making money doing something in their day. Maybe they, they were fishermen. Maybe they were the first century equals to a barista. I don't know, but they would have had some jobs. And then they came across this person of Jesus. And they watched Jesus perform these incredible miracles. And they listened to him teach, and his teaching rocked their world from the inside out. And there was this day when Jesus gathered all the people that were kind of following him around, and he chose 12 people to follow him. And these two guys were two of those 12. It was an incredible honor. And for the next three years, they followed Jesus everywhere he went. And their expectations of who Jesus was and what Jesus was going to do only continued to creep up day after day. I mean, they thought that Jesus was going to turn the world upside down with all the miracles he performed, with everything they, that they watched him do. They thought for sure that their whole lives and their whole experience and everything about the government and everything about the religious leaders, everything was going to turn around. Their expectations were sky high about what Jesus was going to do. But then... Then a, a shocking thing happened. The religious leaders and political leaders of Jesus' day had him killed. They crucified him. And all of a sudden, their sky-high expectations were gone, flushed. They were devastated, deeply hurt, deeply sad. And now they're walking back home. And it's a seven-mile walk. And they're walking back home, and that's when Jesus catches up with them. And again, they can't recognize him. They didn't recognize him. And in their minds, and actually with their words, they said, but we had hoped. Can I take us back to where you and I live? Because all of us have we had hoped moments and seasons to our lives. When we thought about high school graduation, we thought we'd have a regular graduation or a regular prom, but... That didn't happen. We thought we were going to get selected to go to that college, but we didn't get selected to go to that college. When we got married, we didn't think that the venue would cancel on us. We didn't think that they were going to um, tell that we couldn't get married at that place or, or only five people could show up to our wedding ceremony. We didn't think that was going to happen. And when we thought about marriage, we didn't think that one of us would get sick. And we didn't think that one of us would lose our jobs. 
We didn't think that the other person would be tempted by porn. When we got married, we didn't think that this idea of opposites attract would actually turn into opposites attacking. And we're walking through a we had hoped season in our marriage. For some of us, when we had kids for the first time, we just thought that our kids were going to sleep through the night because we had friends who had kids to sleep through the night. So we just assumed that was going to happen. And we just assumed that they were somehow going to bypass the terrible twos, right? That they weren't going to ever rebel. And as they grew up, they were always going to love us. And they were never going to whine for an iPhone. That They were just going to be happy with whatever it is that they had, whatever it is that, they, that we gave them. And they were always going to obey us. And now we find ourselves in some we had hoped moments with our kids, our our parenting isn't turning out the way that we thought it would. That day when we got that new job, that job that we had dreamed of for so long, and actually we finally got it, we never fathomed that our company would be bought out by another company and they would end up eliminating our job and we would get a pink slip for that job that we had dreamed of having for so long. Now, I'm not trying to be a downer, not at all. As a matter of fact, I'm a person of great faith and great expectation and believe God for great things, absolutely. But what I know is, is that we all go through we had hoped seasons. Some of the we had hoped seasons in our life have financial realities to them. Now, I'm married way over my head. I'm married to a wonderful gal whose name is Mary. And together, Mary and I, we're church planters, and all that means is that we started churches from scratch. We've done that a couple of times. And when you do that, you don't make any money. As a matter of fact, there was a time when I went seven months without getting paid at all. No, no income whatsoever from the church. And so uh, as a result of that, it was really, really tough for us financially. Uh, and, and both of our parents didn't handle money well at all. We had to learn money management ourselves. Our parents certainly didn't teach us that. And nor were they able to help us to buy a house. So it was 40, I was 41 years old before I finally could afford to buy my first house. And then I mentioned that I bought it in 2006 when home prices were at their very peak. And then, as we all know, the, the financial crunch and the real estate crunch happened in 2008. And then in 2010, I was relocated to a new job and I was upside down on my house. In other words, I owed more than, um, than it was really worth. And we, we moved to a new house, I mean, to a, a new city. And as a result of that, I, I had to buy a new house. So I owned two homes at the same time. And this new house that I bought in, in this new area that I moved in, that house was 17 years old. And in 17 years, it had never flooded once. It had a basement too. It had never flooded. And the basement was finished. As a matter of fact, that's where, our, where part of our family lives is down in that basement. And it never flooded. But four months after we bought this 17-year-old house, it flooded causing $18,000 worth of damage. And no, insurance would not cover that. So here I was upside down on one house, another house that had $18,000 worth of damage. And during the same time, I had two cars that were highly rated that both lost transmissions, costing me $4,000 a piece to fix the transmission. It was a we had hoped season of my life. It's not what I thought would happen. It's not what I wanted to have happen. We've all experienced those. It may not have been financial for you. It might have been relational for you. But what I know is, is that none of us escape life without having moments or seasons of we had hoped experiences. Now, if I can, let me go back to the story of Jesus and these two guys. 
It's interesting to me in verse 21, not only did they say we had hoped, but let me read that full verse. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. See, not only were their dreams dashed and their hopes gone, but time is now passing and it's not getting any better. Some of us have health-related issues that just continue to persist, maybe even chronic in nature. Some of us have stress-related issues that just continue to go on and on, and the stress isn't going down. Some of us have difficult people in our lives, and those people aren't going away. As much as we try and avoid them, we just keep running into them. Maybe, maybe we have to deal with them on a regular basis because we work with them. I'll share you share with you one last story from my own personal life. So again, I married way over my head. I married this beautiful gal by the name of Mary, and we've known each other since the fifth grade. And I have to tell you that my wife, Mary, she was babysitting when she should have been babysat. She's a kid magnet. She's a, a, a baby whisperer. She can just hold a baby and it will stop crying. She's just amazing. So it was really shocking to us when we couldn't get pregnant after trying for a year or two or three and actually we went through a 16-year process of what I would call infertility hell, where it's just so difficult on us. And we had four domestic adoptions fall through, four different times when a sweet young woman said, I want you to be the parents of my child that I'm about to have, and then at the last minute said, no, actually, I'm gonna keep my child. And we understood that, we were never angry, but we were deeply disappointed. And then we started an international adoption process. And I won't go into all the details, but I'll just tell you that that was incredibly disappointing, incredibly long-standing, and filled with moments of just utter frustration where things were so unfair. It was an emotionally draining process for us, filled with setbacks. But eventually, eventually God in his goodness, he gave us two beautiful daughters. Now, I have to tell you, it's great now, but there is a lot of time in there of a we had hoped season. Every single time that someone was celebrating and, and having a baby shower, we had to celebrate while we grieved on the inside. See, here's the point. Sometimes we had hoped moments, they just drag on. When you first heard of COVID-19, my thought is, is that you probably thought, ah, oh, this is going to affect us for maybe a little while. You, you probably had no idea. I don't think anybody had any idea that COVID-19 was going to drag on and on and on the way it has. We had no idea it would lead to seasons of cancellations and disappointments, that loved ones would actually succumb to it and pass away. We had no idea that the season was going to last as long as it has. See, when we're in the middle of a we had hope season, it's easy to come, to succumb, excuse me, to fatigued, just feeling fatigued and tired and hopeless. And that can lead to a fork in the road. Are we going to trust God and his goodness? Or are we going to walk away from God because he's not meeting our expectations and hopes? Make no mistake about it. There is a very real enemy to your soul. And that enemy not only wants to steal your joy, he wants to steal your faith. And he will 
if we let them. The fact is, we do not choose what happens to us, but we do choose how we respond to what happens to us. And when we go through a we-had-hoped moment or season in our life, it can either draw us closer to a relationship with God or it can repel us from a relationship with God. And we choose. Now, can I just give you two ideas of what you might do if you're in a we-had-hoped situation? Number one, keep the lines of communication open between you and God. Tell him how how you're feeling. There's this book in the Bible called the Book of Psalms in the Old Testament, and it's, it's literally filled with people pouring out their heart to God and just saddened by what they're going through because they're keeping the lines of communication open with God. And yet, it's a faith-filled book. They see God's faithfulness in the end. And number two, let me remind you to remind yourself of the character of God, that he's a good, good father. That again, his plans for you ultimately are good. He's not the author of evil. He's not the author of deep pain. That's not who God is. He is faithful and he will stand with you. Back to the story one last time. By this time, these two guys were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was just going to go on. But they begged him and said, hey, please stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went in with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Now, here's the point we've got to see. Jesus was not absent in their we had hope moment. In fact, he was right there with them. They didn't recognize him, but he was right there with them. You may not see Jesus in bodily form, but he is right there with you in your we had hope moment. Whatever it is that you're going through, he is very aware of what it is that you're going through and he wants to help you through it. He doesn't just want you to have to go through it in isolation by yourself. He deeply wants to walk through that situation with you and he will if you'll let him. And let me end this message by just saying two final things. If you're not in a relationship with God, I want to encourage you in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I want to encourage you to open up your heart to a relationship with him. Because we all find ourselves in we-had-hope situations, and God is the one who gives us the power to transform our marriage. God is the one who helps us when we're going through situations that we can't understand or explain, like our walk with infertility. He is the one that helps us through that. He's the one that gives us hope when we're in the midst of a financial situation. And if you're not in a relationship with him, he wants to be in a relationship with you. He went to a cross and was crucified so he could be in a relationship with you. And secondly, if you're already in a relationship with him, then can I encourage you? I want to encourage you to declare in faith of God's goodness to you. Exercise that faith. Declare what is true. God is for me. Say those words even sometimes out loud. God, you are for me. You're not against me. You're a good God. You will strengthen me. Even in the midst of this we had hope situation that I don't understand, you are going to help me and you are going to see me through. Exercise that faith muscle that God has given you. Don't let just fear and anguish and depression and anxiety just take, I don't know, a a home in your heart. No, no, no. Rise up 
and declare in faith that you're a child of God and that he is going to see you through. And while you may not understand how he's going to see you through, declare in faith and just say, God, I trust you to see me through this we had hoped moment and season of my life because you are a good God. And while I don't see the end of it now, I do know that you're a good God who will ultimately overcome. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take care because I have overcome the world and I will give you peace in the midst of your we at hope moment. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are with us in whatever it is that we're going through. God, I pray right now for people that are not presently in a relationship with you. And for whatever reason, they've gotten this misconception that you are a joy killer, that you are someone who is not interested in us experiencing joy in this life. So as a result of that, they've kind of run the other direction from you. When in reality, again, your word says that in your presence is fullness of joy. And maybe some things have happened to them and they've just assumed that you caused those things when you didn't cause them at all. But you will bring healing to us and you will bring hope to us, even in the midst of our pain. So I pray right now for people who have never opened up their heart to relationship with you, that they would do that right now, that they would begin to say, Jesus, I don't know what all this means, but I want to open up my heart and begin a relationship with you. Just as you met those two guys on the road to their town of Emmaus, would you right now meet with me and begin to show me more of who you are? And Jesus, for those who are already in a relationship with you, I pray that they would begin to declare right now in faith that you are a good God filled with good things. And that doesn't mean that we will escape difficulties and hardships in this life, but it does mean that we can walk through those things with expectation and, and hope that you will see us through, that you will not abandon us. You've promised us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I pray that instead of abandoning our faith, we will increase our faith, that we will literally work out our muscle of faith, trusting you and declaring that you will see us through. God, I pray against the enemy in any way that he would want to dis destroy our faith and our expectation and hope in you. Thank you that you are not only an all-loving God, but you're an all-powerful God who will see us through to the other side. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Lighting the darkness, my God. 
give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. In You know, the words that we just sang are a powerful declaration, especially in regards to what we talked about this weekend, where we all come to forks in the road. And the invitation, and maybe you're there today, is to simply look to Him, to trust Him, to even in the midst of those moments where it seems like you, you have to make one call or another to be reminded that great is our 
Lord. You know, today you may be in a place where you're facing one of those forks of the road, and and I wanna invite you not to navigate that alone. In fact, if you take a moment, pull out your smartphone or your phone and and text the word CONNECT to 309-250-2007, we would love to connect you with somebody that can walk alongside you and be committed to praying for you and supporting you in the midst of this journey. Like I said, don't do it alone. Connect with us, and we'd love to serve you in that way. And, And for some of you, maybe a good connection point would actually be our Seen Known Loved virtual learning group that just launched. It's not too late to jump in. And so I encourage you, that may be for you. To, to jump on heritageqc.com. Uh, you can jump in and register for that there. But regardless, don't navigate these days alone. You know, one thing I want to invite you to that we are so excited that's coming up is, is on September 23rd at our Bridgepoint location. It's a Wednesday night at 6.30. We're going to have an opportunity to gather together in person to worship together and to pray, but also to celebrate alongside those men and women and children who are going to step into the waters of baptism that night, declaring that they are free to live. So I invite you, if you don't have that already on your calendar, make sure you get that there. Come ready to celebrate, or maybe you're in a space this weekend where you have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, but you haven't taken that next step to be baptized. And I want you to know this is your next step. So I encourage you, get online here at qc.com. You can register for that there, or even get on our Church Center app uh, and find information on how to jump in and be a part of that uh, here coming up in a couple weeks. And before we leave today, I want to take a moment just to to celebrate something and to say thank you. You see, if you've been watching the, the news, you know that Hurricane Laura has just wreaked havoc on our brothers and sisters there in Texas and Louisiana. But what I want you to know is that because of your radical generosity heritage, this week we were positioned to write a $2,500 check to World Hope, an organization that is, has boots on the ground there who are loving and serving those in this season who are going without power or clean water or just simply need food or sanitation packs. And because of your radical generosity, Today, there there are families who are getting what they need so that they can navigate this storm or this fork in the road. It's your generosity that is a tangible reminder of how great our God is and that he sees them. So Heritage, thank you for your generosity. I pray you continue to do that and let's watch what our God does. But I'll tell you, Heritage, as we go from this place this weekend, may you and I go as a people whose eyes are fixed on Jesus, that regardless of the circumstances, that we trust him. So go be that kind of people today, Heritage, and we'll see you back here next week.